You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Amen, amen. You may be seated. And as you do, please find a Bible, turn to the end of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be concluding chapter 5 today. And our sermon title today is Next Level Love. Next Level Love. Hey, just another boring day at Hope Oakville today, huh? Hey, hey. So great to see 24 baptisms this weekend, or this day. So, so thankful for that as well. Again, Next Level Love is our title and topic today as we conclude Matthew chapter 5. It's been a good run. Uh, It's been a great fall. The Lord has used it in many, many different ways. Have you ever noticed as we open up to the end of chapter 5 in Matthew's gospel, have you ever noticed that Jesus is not okay with mediocrity? Jesus is not okay with just status quo. You ever notice that Jesus does not settle for average? And Jesus, in, in terms of Jesus, good enough just isn't good enough in terms of what he desires, again, from those who are truly living in the light of his kingdom. On the contrary, Jesus is always imploring his followers to the next level. I mean, that, that's the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, hey, if you're alive in Christ, if you are living according to the kingdom of God, then you're going to look different than the world around you. I mean, that's just one of the bottom lines of this entire sermon that Jesus is giving. He's like, I've saved you for a greater purpose. I've put my spirit in you with a greater purpose. I have called you to a greater purpose than, again, the world um, around you. So let me be crystal clear as we talk about Jesus raising the bar for people. The only thing that is required for salvation in Christ is faith. The only thing required to be saved in Jesus Christ is faith. Faith in the work that he has done. However, once we are saved, the bar raises. Once we are truly saved in Jesus Christ, he's like, yep, my Holy Spirit, yep, again, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, again, everything changes as we just said. Now there's a higher call. Now there's a greater resource called God in us, the Holy Spirit living within us. Now there's a greater expectation because his love has filled our lives and now this love is to come from our lives as well. And that's the point of today. This is no more true than in the case of the virtue of virtues, which of course is the virtue of love. Love is the meta theme in the New Testament. You had to boil it down to one thing. It's love, love for God, love for others. Love is the meta theme in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. If you're here today, and by the way, so glad you are here today. So glad for visitors. So glad Overflow. So glad those watching in Orangeville right now. Love you guys again so much. Love is that which is to be seen ultimately in true followers of Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus then ends chapter 5. And that's what happens here. This, This is kind of the climax culminating chapter five with this call to next level love. It's a, it's a tough passage like we've seen in many weeks now. It's a terrific passage though. Again, for the sake of time today, lots to get through. Uh, let's jump in Matthew five, verse 43, okay? Here's what Jesus says. For the sixth time he says this, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wow. Why? So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He goes on to say, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? 
And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Verse 48 summarizes the entire chapter. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's start here today. Next level love means this, number one, I will even love my enemies. Next level love, a true follower of Christ, means I will even love my enemies. Look again what Jesus says in verse 43. He says, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, love your neighbor is, of course, the central, it's the central piece of the law of God. Love God, love others, love your neighbor. Central to the entire law of God. Interestingly, though, hate your enemy is nowhere to be found in the Old Testament. That phrase, that command does not exist in the Old Testament. What is in the Old Testament is God's hatred of evil. And there are some imprecatory Psalms which declare a hatred for evil as well. But what we see here when Jesus says, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, it's not a far stretch to understand how God's people would be tempted to hate those who are filled with evil against them, tempted to assume I love my neighbor, but I hate those who hate me, I hate those who are against me, I hate those who want to obliterate me, whatever that might be. So the insinuation is here, hate those who come against you with evil intent and desire to, again, to hate you or to harm you. So hate your enemy was never explicitly taught in the Old Testament, but it was being taught by the teachers of the day at the time again of Christ and when he sang this, okay? So this again is when Jesus shocks his listeners with next level love. In verse 44, he says this, look at verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Okay? Now, just to add weight to this, this, this command, love your enemies. Okay? Notice first the plural of enemies in verse 44. So that means it is stressing the universal command or universal nature of this command for all those who truly follow Christ. You are to love your enemies in the plural. Secondly, this command is in the present imperative. Why is that important? Because it means it's a command that applies to the present but also applies to the ongoing future. So what this means for all of us who are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ right now, for all of us listening who are generally born again, again by the Spirit of God, and we are true Christ followers, this means none of us have an excuse to get out of this command. Every single one of us is commanded by Christ to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Again, I'll say it one more time. All of us truly alive in Jesus Christ, this is a command given to us by Jesus Christ himself. There is no escaping from it. It's not for my brother over there, but not for me. It is, it is. All of us in Christ are commanded to next level love. This command, of course, from Jesus is revolutionary. Notice, it's not a command to tolerate your enemies. That would be reasonable, I think. It's not even a command to like your enemies, which would be hard, but it may be understood. No, it's a command to love your enemies. A command to love your enemies and to pray for the very ones who attack you, who persecute you, who come against you. It's important to understand, too, as we come across this revolutionary teaching, which what it is, no one taught this before Jesus did. No one in history taught this before Jesus did. 
This command to love your enemies is unique to Jesus Christ and it's unique to the Christian faith. Some might try to copy it after the fact. This teaching of Jesus, though, is without precedent for sure. It's a command that conveys the heart of God and is modeled by the life and love of Jesus Christ. I mean, just consider by way of example, it was Jesus Christ himself dying on the cross. Wickedly, he was spat on and blasphemed and mocked and struck and slapped and scourged with whips, tearing the flesh again off his back and exposing his bones. Then nailed to a gruesome cross by the wickedness surrounding him while he, Jesus, was sinless and perfect. It's here in utter agony and absolute, again, incomprehensible pain while still, church, still able to call a legion of angels at any time to come and deliver him and obliterate his enemies if he wanted to. He could do that at any moment. He could do that just with a one-second command, Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, could have done that. But instead, he says this, hanging and about to die on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The astounding, supernatural love, again, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in that moment, loving his enemies and praying for the very people that persecute him. But Jesus does not want this love to stay with him. He wants this love to flow from him into his followers. That is the command, that is the, that is the desire, that is the opportunity by the Holy Spirit and the supernatural love of Christ. This is why we have in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, who is being stoned to death, why? Because of his love of Jesus Christ. He is testifying to the reality of the gospel and the religious leaders and the men who are listening to him hate what he's saying. They are filled with rage. Their hearts are filled with murder. Stephen has a vision of Christ in the heavens. These men cannot take it anymore. The text says they literally stop their ears. They start to shout at him. They rush at him and begin to stone him to death. And as rocks are crushing his body and crushing his skull, Stephen in this moment filled with the supernatural love of Christ calls out and says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Staggering, astounding, supernatural love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The heart of Christ flowed into the heart of Stephen and the desire for Jesus as this love would flow into his followers, millions of them down through history as well, including us. How about a couple more examples? Let's take a couple of women. Elizabeth Elliot. In 1956, her husband Jim, a missionary to tribes in Ecuador, went in the love of Jesus Christ. He and his companions thought they were making progress. There was a scheduled meeting. Again, some of the men from this tribe came out from the jungle there to meet Jim and his companions on the beach. They thought it was going to be peaceful. It wasn't. They were speared to death and murdered, again, for their attempt to witness in the love of Jesus Christ. Elizabeth Elliot discovers her husband and his companions were murdered by these men. She doesn't just forgive them. In the end, she goes to live with them. By the way, I haven't read her story. Read it. Powerful and awesome. She doesn't just live with them. She loves them. 
She cares for them. She shares the gospel of Christ with them. And many, many of them come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ from the woman whose husband was murdered by the very people she seeks to care for now. The heart of her life was Matthew 5, verse 44. The heart of her life, the supernatural love of Christ flowing through her life in ways that can't be explained by human terms. Because Jesus Christ living through her. Astounding. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Corey Ten Boom, who knew a lot about forgiving your enemies, she said this, you never so touch the ocean of God's love as when you forgive and love your enemies. And again, it was Corey Ten Boom who found herself in a Nazi prison camp when they were caught for hiding Jewish people during World War II in Holland and trying to rescue Jewish people from their disastrous, awful fate under the Nazi regime. Her family was caught. Some of her family members died. Her and her sister, Betsy, in a, again, prison camp, Ravenstruck in Germany, again, for what they were doing. And at this time, again, after the war, her, her sister, Betsy, died in the hiding place. An unbelievable story. I encourage you to read it as high as I possibly. If you haven't yet, you need to know these things. Your faith grows. The encouragement grows there, too. Again, two years after the war, Corrie ten Boom survived. She found herself back in Germany in Munich, testifying to her story and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and how she was so changed. As she was teaching and sharing her testimony in this church, a man comes up after the service. And to her horror, it was a Nazi SS guard at the very prison camp she was held. The same guard where she would be humiliated walking naked in front of him day after day and all the torture and horrific things that happened in that moment. He comes up to her. He testifies that God had saved him. He became a Christian. He reaches out his hand and asks for her forgiveness. This is what Corey Ten Boom said in the hiding place. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I who preach so often the need to forgive kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. She says, I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. Notice this. She says, I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity And so again, I breathe a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And then she says this. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for the stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not your or not our forgiveness any more than our goodness that the world's healing hinges on but rather it's on the healing and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. The supernatural love of Jesus Christ, allowing people to love their enemies and to pray for those who persecute him. Question for us today, what enemy are we commanded to love today? What enemy are you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are we commanded to love today? What persecutor are we called to pray for today 
in our lives and in our culture, who is the Lord asking us to love and pray for with a supernatural love that only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at verse 45 now, verse 45, Jesus says, do this, why? So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. You know what he's saying there? Jesus says, when you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, like father, like son, you are taking on the character of the Father you say you belong to. The traits of the father must be seen the traits of the children. And then he goes on, he says this. He says, for he makes his sunrise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So it's not like our God right now, the sun only shines upon those that he loves and the unbelievers get stormy clouds all day. No, there's common grace. Common grace of God on all people, even today right now, hearing the message of love of Jesus Christ, the common grace existing right here. Now, now, judgment is coming. A hundred percent evil will be judged. But for now, there's grace. For now, there's an offer. For now, God, again, sends his son and reign on the just and the unjust. We are to do the same, those of us who are truly alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. We love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Help us, God. Amen, church? Help us, God. Here's a great quote to end this section on, which I love here. Uh, Alfred Plummer says this, to return evil for good is devilish. To return good for good is human. Anyone can do that. But to return good for evil is divine. To return good for good is human. To return good for evil is divine. It's the supernatural love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next level love means I will even love my enemies. Number two, next level love means my love must be greater than the average. My love must be greater than the average. Look at, look at verse 46 now. Jesus says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, you, do not even the tax collectors do the same? And then he says this, and if you greet only your brothers... What more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? So what Jesus is essentially saying here, if your love is no better than hardened sinners and pagans, then what good is that? Jesus isolates here, notice in these verses, tax collectors and Gentiles. Gentiles can also be translated as pagans. The people the Jews held in the lowest regard. So in other words... Jesus says, if your righteousness is on the same level as those with the least righteousness, and you say you belong to the kingdom of God, how does that make any sense? If your love is no greater than those you consider at the least level of love and righteousness, and you profess to belong to the kingdom of God, that doesn't make any sense. Your love must be greater than the unrighteousness of those that are around you. So simply put, Christ's followers are clearly given a higher standard of love than the world around them. Those truly in Christ. And I keep saying that because that's, that's obviously the difference maker. Those who profess Christ but aren't saved in him, they have no fruit. But those are genuinely saved by Jesus Christ and have the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, then that is when the difference is to be seen. The standard of love for the genuine follower of Christ is much greater than average. We are simply called to more. Now why? You should know the answer. 
The reason is because we have been given more in Christ. He has given us everything of himself in us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have a calling upon our lives. Again, think about it. When you and I have the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the first word of the fruit of the Spirit is? Well, I think maybe a a small section over here, I got that. Maybe in the back, I heard no one say it at all, all right? So this is very, very important, right? When we have the Holy Spirit, the first word of the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, there we go, love. So love comes from our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kind of goodness. It goes on and we understand it. And this is what is to be seen again from us. The love we have received from Christ is the love we seek to give to others. So what this comes down to, what this comes down to Jesus saying, he's like, hey, listen, anyone can love like the world loves. For those who truly follow me, Jesus says, there must be a supernatural love coming from your life. Let's ask ourselves that question right now. Is there a super, I'm not talking that you're perfect every day, that we're done with that, no, 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 no. But we're growing in Christ. But in our lives, there must be some kind of consistency. Is there a supernatural love coming from our lives? A love that is not of this world and a love that is not of our flesh and a love that is not human. A love ultimately that is of divine origin. Jesus Christ, his spirit, and him in us. Again, I have been crucified with Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is the love that has changed the world. It's the love of Christ. You know, Karl Marx, Karl Marx believed that religion was the opiate that the elite used to keep the lower class from revolting. Frederick Nietzsche, who is no friend of Christianity, he strongly disagreed. He noted, to his credit, Nietzsche noted that Judaism was actually founded by a people enslaved in Egypt under Pharaoh. Christianity was born out of the weak, the despised, and by a founder who was crucified on a Roman cross of all things. Christianity was largely made up of the downtrodden, slaves, women, outcasts, and the defeated. I bring all that up to say this. The point is, in this group, and what can only be described as inconceivable odds, began a movement of Christ-centered love that would change the world forever. It was a supernatural love. Justin Martyr lived in the second century, who was martyred, again, for his faith and for his love for Jesus Christ. He says this so powerfully on the screen for you. He says, we who formerly delighted in fornication, but now embrace chastity alone, we who formerly used magical arts, dedicate ourselves to the good and unbegotten God. We who valued above all things the acquisition of wealth and possessions, now we bring what we have into a common stock and communicate to everyone in need. Listen, we who hated and destroyed one another on account of their different manners and would not live with men of a different tribe, now, since the coming of Christ, live closely with them and pray for our enemies and endeavor to persuade those who hate us unjustly to live conformably to the good precepts of Jesus Christ, to the end that they become partakers with us of the same joyful hope of a reward from God, the ruler of all. The supernatural love of Christ makes a massive difference in those who truly 
follow him. It's a love that has changed the world and continues to change the world. And the church is called to be used to change the world with a love that is superhuman found in Jesus Christ. Next level love means my love will be far greater than the average around me. Thirdly and finally, next level love means I will seek to emulate the love of the Father. I will seek to emulate the love of my Father. So look at verse 48. As I said, I think briefly already, verse 48 ends our passage, but it ends the chapter. All the commentators agree. Verse 48 is a summary of all the teachings of chapter 5. Jesus says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's get the context for this command. Perfect here can mean perfect sacrifice or an unblemished sacrifice. It can mean um, ethical uprightness or blamelessness. What it conveys is an absolute commitment to the things of God. In our context, perfect, you could say, is wholehearted or a wholeness in our obedience towards the things of the Lord. If you want to boil it down to a sentence, this command in verse 48 is this. Here's the key. Kingdom children take on the heart of their kingdom father. Those who are of the kingdom take on the heart of their father in heaven. Kingdom children emulate their father again in heaven. If the father is perfect in love, then his genuine children grow day by day into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, into the heart of the father in which they love. Again, verse 48 is really this, like father, like son. As the Father is, we grow into, are we perfect now? No, we are moving towards a greater level of growth and perfection. And one day in glory, when Jesus Christ returns, we will be perfect all by his grace. But those of us saved in Jesus Christ, we must pursue the heart of the Father and to be changed again into his image or the image of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a radical call for radical love. And the Father, listen, listen, the Father will never command from us what he's not willing to do in us. Jesus will never command from us what he's not willing to do in us. Next level love means I seek to take after and emulate the love of my Father. Paul says a summary to this entire sermon today. He says this in Romans 12, a wonderful cross-reference for you to be aware of. He says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God is going to take vengeance on evil. Justice will be served. But our, our role, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And it's all summarized this, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is the call to next level love for all genuine followers of Jesus Christ. Easy? Uh Uh-uh. No way. Possible? Yes. What enemy are you called to love today? What persecutor? are you called to pray for today? I've been trying to put this into practice this week. God brought situations, parts of our society, individuals to mind, and instead of being filled with anger or bitterness, turning to prayer 
for the blessing and mercy of God to fall upon their individual lives. That's the call. And again, why would we do this? It's because of all that we've been given in Jesus Christ. And that's why right now then we prepare to receive the Lord's Supper together. So I'll give you a couple seconds if you want to pack up your things, whatever you need to do. I'd love us for you to be still. I'd love for us to be able to focus. I'd love for us to be able to be appropriately prepared. Consider this, okay? Jesus says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Romans 5.8. While we were still enemies, Christ died for us. If you are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ today, you're a genuine believer, we ask you to participate with us in the Lord's Supper, the symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. When we hold the symbols today, we are reminded... I, before Christ, I was an enemy of God. I was a hater of God. I rejected God. I did not believe. I spurned him. I cast him aside. I mocked him. But then while I was an enemy of God, Christ died for me. That is powerful. That is is humbling. That is what we remember today in the Lord's Supper. We remember that while I was so hardened in sin, my depravity, my hatred of righteousness. Jesus Christ loved me by bearing the wrath of God in my place so that I didn't have to. Astounding love. And we remember this as we hold the symbols today, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. We were estranged from God. We were separated from God because of our sin. But Jesus Christ came on the cross to to reconcile us back to God where we intended to be from the beginning, all through his life and death and resurrection. We remember the sacrifice of Christ and his love, which is now why we seek to love others in return. It all starts with Jesus. It all starts what he did for us. So here at Hope Church, we take the Lord's Supper very seriously. What that means is, If you are here and you are not a true believer in Christ, if you were not born again by the Spirit of God, by grace through faith in Christ, please don't take it. Please don't take it. It's a serious thing. The Bible warns us against this. Again, we take this seriously. We're sober-minded about it. Please let it pass. But we invite all those who are here listening to this right now, is this the day that you put your faith in Christ for the first time? You believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Is today the day, the first time you have eyes to see and recognize you have no hope apart from Jesus? There is no life apart from Jesus. He is the one who loves us to save us from ourselves and our sin and gives us everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory and the Savior of the world. As you heard testified nine times this service. So if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, please let it pass. But for those of us who are, the cups are stacked. The bread and the juice, the symbols, we'll take a stack of cups, we'll hold it, and we'll receive it together. Communion servers, you can come forward right now. Right now where you are, you can come forward, and then I will pray for us uh, as we do. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Um, Maybe you're like me this week, church, and the first thing you need to do right now is repent. To repent, Lord, to repent of my lack of love. Lord, I, I, I have not loved my enemies. I have not prayed for those who persecute me. Maybe you, like me, you can ask for forgiveness and he will grant it. 
Jesus Christ, will you fill us with a supernatural love that is beyond us? It's from you. And that starts, loved ones, that starts by remembering and soaking up the love that was given to us in Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. It is truly amazing and astounding. Work, work in this time, Lord, work in this time and change the hearts and lives of your children. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.